This is Season 1, Episode 1 of The Amalga Files with your host, Jordan Lynn Epperson and Ian Wallace. Take one action, right? Am I supposed to? No, that's for video, right? Did I mess it up? It's okay. It's entertaining. I knew right you were going with it. Yeah, yeah, it's our show. We can, we can do what we want. It's a show where we talk about different topics concerning uh, conspiracy theories, um, life on other planets, uh, disproving myths, lore, uh, religion. We go all over the place uh, trying to make a comfortable uh, place where people can discuss these things openly and give their ideas on what they think. Um, as far as, you know, the topics that we present. This show's topic, um, well, first of all, introductions. I am, of course, the beautiful Jordan Lynn Epperson, and she is the boy wonderful Ian Wallace. And <laughs> wait a minute, no, that, that's not right. No, I'm the boy wonderful Ian Wallace. Scratch that, reverse it. <laughs> Scratch that, reverse it. I am the boy wonderful Ian Wallace, and she is the beautiful Jordan Lynn Epperson. Did I, did I get it right that time? Yeah, I think so. I think that's uh, okay. my name. I think that, okay, good. So we're good. Um, and we are your hosts taking you on a ride to visit different topics all across different broad spectrums of genres. And um, we hope to get lots of call-ins and lots of participation from members and our listeners. Let us know what you think. You can contact us not only in the Facebook group Amalgamania, but you can also find us on the Dorkening Network and soon to be other media outlets for podcasting as well. Um, this is our first show, so bear with us. Um, but we hope to uh, entertain and um, enlighten, hopefully, and learn while we're here. So without further ado, I'm going to kick it over to Jordan, and she's going to talk a little bit about our topic this show. Jordan? All right. Um, we wanted to look at the afterlife or life after death. Um, what religions think of it, what we think, um, what people are doing to try and prove or disprove that it exists, um, and just the overall questions that we have about it. I have been, like, over this topic with a fine-tooth comb, um, the past short week or so 10 days and um <clears throat> i gotta say it has been oh man like a roller coaster ride like there's just so much information and so many different viewpoints to go over as related to the topic so um the best that i can offer to our listeners this go round is to be objective and to allow objectivity and to keep an open mind and hope that you guys are doing the same um, where would you like to start, Jordan? <laughs> well, I think I think as far as religious beliefs go, that there are pretty much three set types of afterlife. Okay. We've got we've got the ones who believe in heaven and and that that's where you go. We've got um, reincarnation, and then we've got the ones that just 
don't believe that there is an afterlife, that life is all you get. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of, I think, mix and matching between the different beliefs and religions and all of that because I mean you have like Christianity that it believes that you know once you're dead you go to heaven you go to hell and that's that's where you spend the rest of eternity but then you have these little subcategories of those types of religion like Kabbalah for example that does believe in a type of reincarnation along with it so, and then you've got, you know, the ones that believe in reincarnation, but then once you reach um, moksha or nirvana, then you're enlightened and you can stay in that enlightened space for the rest of eternity without having to come back. Okay. So, and then, right. then, I mean... Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me bring this back into focus a bit. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you personally, what do mm -hmm. you believe? Do you believe that when you die, there's something, you don't have to be specific. The question's pretty, pretty, pretty uh, pointed. Do you believe that after your, con your physical body dies, that there is something else? Absolutely. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. But being... A religious person I mean that's kind of been drilled into my head for you know the past 28 years Agreed. and I know to you before that if I was not a Christian I'd probably be Hindu which is reincarnation which is a totally different idea from Christianity but I mean either way I would still believe in an afterlife Okay. See, here's my thing. This is, this is my thing. Um, I, too, uh, come from a very, very religious background um, on a couple of different fronts, um, religions that I've explored myself. And at home, of course, with the family, we were raised um, Christian. Mm -hmm. um, knowing the things that I know based off of that way of life, um, that culture being presented to me at such a young age and growing to, uh, like you said, learn it, um, it having been drilled or, um, you know, repeated over and over so that you understood what you were, what you were dealing with. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's the mortality side of it, the real side of it, that you're a person, you know, I don't know, sitting back one day watching a movie and you just start thinking about your mortality, like, you know, your preparations for the inevitable end of your life at some point. And um, mm -hmm. of course, this, this thought comes to every human being, I believe, um, at some point or another. And when it happens, you know, you start to question, you know, what you know physically here on earth versus what you have no idea, which is, you know, a great leap from our consciousness and our state of awareness, you know, as human beings. Like, it's hard to see anything past this. And um, I think that's a great point to segue into um, my first, I guess, coverage of the research of this um, topic is near-death experiences and the actual proof of there being something after the physical body dies. Um, 
the reason I'm bringing this up is because um, we like to <laughs> here on this show we have something called the Molder meter and the Scoliometer, and these two different points of um, measurement are for our viewers and for us to kind of register where we fall. Obviously, everyone knows Fox Mulder being the true believer and Dana Scully being the more non-believer, scientific proof has to be present kind of type. So obviously our, our, our members and our listeners would decide where they fall on the topic in the, the Scullyometer or the Mulder meter. And um, we like to play devil's advocate on both sides during the show and take a point of view from each side and kind of just kick it around for the listeners to decide where they stand or where they fall as far as um, the information leads. So, or perhaps even question where they thought they sat. Ex oh, all the time, which is our goal, actually, is to, <laughs> is to shift, you know, your, not your belief, but obviously give you an open mind to other points of view, which could lead to that very thing, you know, you changing your position on things. I know I've changed mine on a few just talking um, mm. with Jordan on different yeah, topics. Yeah, I have I too. You have, um, <laughs> has, have definitely shifted in ways where... And it just hadn't before. So we hope to offer that to our listeners as well. Um, moving along, what I was posing or what I was trying to, uh, to I guess, uh, articulate was there is a type of proof that there is something that happens after you die that cannot be explained scientifically. Um, I'm going to bring up an excerpt from... Uh, it was a medical study done and it was called aware. Was it the aware? Yes. Yes. Um, I read about it too, back in 2008. Yes. And it was, um, it's, it stands for awareness during resuscitation and, and perspective, perspective study. Um, right. the idea is that they are literally, um, you they know, we're giving people cardiac arrest and basically or, killing them and then bringing them back. Right. And in some instances, they were just following people with the markers for um, cardio problems, and they would wait for them to go into cardiac arrest and then study their brain, their breathing, scientifically what their body did. And there's an actual point. Um, and only 80% of the people that they did these studies on uh, actually survived or were able to answer uh, their questions after the yeah after whatever after they had been through correct correct um so here's here's the thing now I'm looking at the, the obviously the numbers here because they are some very specific figures and mathematical um, equations of how this this study worked and um, it's overwhelming that a number of people all over the world from different walks of life report some type of activity after the natural body dies. Now, there is an actual point to where you are considered clinically dead, like where you are dead. And the resuscitation of them trying to bring you back to life is the point where they're, you know, monitoring your body and seeing what's happening and, you know, comparing these different things. And while this was happening, people were reporting some very, amazing things um that they were able to see their body from a different point of view like as in they were outside of their body looking down they were explaining the surgical room what the doctors had on jewelry watches uh whatever they saw in the room or or might have you know 
observed. They were able to uh, recount these things in exquisite detail. And there was something like 40% of that 20% of people that were able to answer came yeah, up. With it was, the, it was overwhelming. The, it was like not even close. Almost, almost half of the people were able to come up with, you know, some sort of awareness while they were clinically dead. And this is not like, and I know a lot of people, and this is uh, something that I, I feel like we should stress. I know some people think, well, okay, you're under heavy drugs. Your body's going through a lot. You know, you could hallucinate in and out of consciousness. You know, you could be Chemical dreaming. Reactions. This is when you're clinically dead. This, your brain is not working at this point. Like there is no activity in your brain at this point. Nothing. You're dead. You're clinically gone. And these things are still happening. Um, that to me, uh, regardless to what the numbers say, regardless to what the sides may present, that to me is a cause to split me right down the middle, no matter what I'm hearing on either side at the moment. Um, I got to I gotta say I'm split right down the middle. And I have to say that there is a great possibility that there is actually life after you're gone physically and, you know, clinically dead. Um, it's not a coincidence that people that speak different languages that have never seen each other, never lived in the same area, um, you know, don't know who each other are can have the same experience. That's, that's a little bit more than a phenomenon in my book. Um, if it happens to two people who live in New Jersey, you know, that grew up on the same side of town. Okay. You know, maybe it's, a, maybe there's something in the water, <laughs> but if there's one guy from India and one guy from China and, you know, they both, same, yeah, and they're both having the same experience. It's like you can't you can't deny that. What do you think, Jordan? I mean, here you have these two very blatant sides, and obviously you were already leaning more towards the there is, you know, because of your religious afflictions and that, you know, this, that, um, you were leaning more towards there being an afterlife. But when you're presented with this type of overwhelming data, like um. – how does well, it make you feel as a believer? Well, I mean, we, we've already established I'm, I'm Mulder on this one. Right. Uh, but, I mean, as far as, as far as religion goes, even if it weren't for me having all of this drilled into my head, there are too many things that I have seen and experienced in this world that, I can't not believe in some higher power. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that the higher power I believe in is the correct one, but for me, there, there has to be something. Okay. And All so, right. so the study just kind of further um, reinforces that for me. And they're actually doing a second part of the study starting this year mm. to do even more research on it. So I think we'll I think that's a really good thing. I'm I'm really interested, in, and we're definitely going to have to come back at some point, either in the season or the next, to retouch this with the new numbers and the new data, and kind of keep our listeners um, updated. Um, I want to put a pin in this, and I want to kind of jump onto a different side of this 
um, discussion. And it's something that I think you'll be able to appreciate, something that you and I have talked at great length <laughs> about in different um, iterations. Uh, okay, the, the Christian belief and the religious, let's just say the religious belief um, that mm-hmm. there is an afterlife usually comes with some sort of rite of passage and or something that you have to do in order to obtain it. To obtain nirvana, you have to meditate and become at one with and align all your chakras. To ascend to heaven, you must um, confess to the, 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 the preacher, Repent. I mean, uh, the father, and then to God, you know, your sins. Uh, to, well, that's, that's Catholic. If you're just right, right. I'm just I'm just shooting through some of the God. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just shooting through some of the ones that are widely known. Like, um, you know, to accept Jesus in your life and to confess it with your mouth is to ensure you a spot in heaven. Um, you know, to die in battle in some religions and some faith. Oh, Valhalla. Yeah, is 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 a is a direct segue into heaven. So here's my thing. At what point, even with all of this data, do you start to separate what men or mankind has attached to, you know, this, this thing that, in my opinion, life entitles you to everything that's connected to it, whether it be an afterlife, uh, a hell, a heaven, a purgatory, a Disney vacation, whatever this life, you know, has brought to you, you should have. And I don't think that there should be stipulations. I don't believe in a God that says or believes in that either. I don't think that that if if my God would never, if I had to, you know, I guess uh, explain it, it wouldn't be, there wouldn't be stipulations on this. It would be you're entitled to what you're entitled to and where you go is based off of who you were and how you lived you know, um, that you decide how your afterlife is going to be shaped and molded, just like you decide how your life goes, um, ultimately. So how do you feel about that as a true believer? Do you see the parallels and the contradictions in taking something that is so precious and so... Well, most, most religions, I mean, even as far back as Egyptian... Um, gods and goddesses and they're one of the oldest dating religions that they have record of even they had this concept of right and wrong puts you in different places in the afterlife Mm -hmm. uh they had um i can't remember what exactly it was called but basically it was a set of scales and they had a feather and they would weigh a person's heart. And if their heart weighed more than the feather, then they were sentenced to essentially the Egyptian hell. I don't remember what it's actually called. Um, and if it weighed less, then they were admitted into basically heaven. So I'm not sure how much of it is actually that these religions all just happen to have the same idea or how much of it is that they are all piggybacking off of the religions before them. Mm. Which is also a very, very valid point because 
you know, the victors are who write history. The right. people who won are the people who decide what happened, you know? So there's that misinformation and misinformation, like missing information that we don't have um, as it relates to this topic. So again, um, and again, circling back around to what we were talking about before, just the proof thereof or not thereof. Um, how do you, I, I mean, as, as someone who doesn't, you know, understand, like if you're talking to an atheist, or you're talking to someone who just flat out believes that we are just a big carbon mistake, um, a big cosmic joke. Uh, we're just here and then we will be gone. We won't be remembered um, as the dinosaurs aren't remembered or known. You know, like we just won't be here one day. And, you know, whatever will be spinning and happening at that time will be spinning and happening at that time. How do you, how do you gravitate a person from that or that standpoint to understand how rather than you know you're not trying to convert these people but you're trying to just get them to understand what it is that you see that they don't um and the difficulties therein because i met people who just they just can't they just won't see anything past the physical and what's here and that when we're gone we're just gone and that's it um which they could be 100 percent correct like if we're really weighing in all the numbers and weighing in all the evidence, there's nothing supporting that we're right or that our points of view have been validated at all. So, you know, they could be correct. This could be all for nothing. And if you look at the overwhelming evidence of how these things are used against people to keep people in control, to uh, make people feel uh, inept and or to, you know, get money out of them, you got to question this. You have to, you know, you're, you gotta, you gotta give that scullyometer. It's just due. you know, you, it's there, <laughs> there is that reasonable doubt. I mean, if you're honest with yourself and I'm sure any God that looks upon us would understand based off of what man does that the skepticism is earned, you know, it's not something that we're doing because we're non-believers, but I mean, you gotta ask like, you know, is this, well, I mean, even the angels had skeptics. Exactly. Oh, true. That's how we inherit all, yeah. all, all of the fallen angels and in all the biblical stories is because they didn't want to believe all of the things that God set forth and even the, and they had proof that God was there. Right. Like they saw him, they interacted with him every day. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give us I'm gonna I'm gonna um pause here for a break. We're gonna pay some bills. And um, spin that wonderful yarn of uh, capitalism while uh, we refresh on the topic and take in callers and or finish up the topic with hopefully some uh, closure for our listeners. So stay tuned. You are listening to, again, I am the beautiful Jordan Lynn Epperson. She is the boy wonderful Ian Wallace. And this is the, wait a minute, no, wait, that's not right. I am the boy, boy, wonderful Ian Wallace, and she is the beautiful Jordan Lynn Epperson. I'm going to, I'm going to practice that on the break. And we are bringing you the Amalga file season one, episode one, life after death. We'll be right back. Deadly grounds. Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too. 
and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Welcome back, true believers, non-believers, all the believers in between. What's a king to a god? What's a god to a king? I am the boy wonderful Ian Wallace. She is the beautiful Jordan Lynn Epperson, and uh, we are presenting to you the Amalga Files. Um, the topic is life after death. We took a short break to recalibrate and consider our mortality. And um, we're back to discuss the life and the hereafter. Um, okay, so we were talking about religion and how it relates to, oh, wait a minute. I think we had a caller here. Hold on one second. We are getting our first caller. I think here. Hold on one second. I'm trying to work out our technical difficulties. Hello? Hi, guys. Hello. And who do we have? This is Taryn Barber, the president of Amalgamania. Hey, Taryn. Hey, Jordan. Okay, so um, Jordan was just in the middle of convincing me that there's life after death. I'm not buying it. And um, we're going back and forth. No, this is um, this is the topic we're um, discussing: life after death. And Jordan and I were just talking about the different aspects thereof. Obviously, you called up. You have something to say? What is it? What do you got for us? I just find the um, the the need for an explanation of what happens after death fascinating, and it's very um, it's very similar to me as the need for religion. I think that people have to believe that there is some purpose, that there is something greater than humanity that that controls us, that determines our fate. Um, I think people don't want to believe that we're just kind of, um, flying blind, that we're just um, these beings that appeared from some inexplicable um locational force and will return essentially to darkness. It's like people people have a need to believe that they will continue to exist. Um and that their existence matters. And part of that fascination is also how ancient it is. Um I'm an English teacher and one of the texts that I love teaching is the Epic of Gilgamesh. It deals with the oldest piece of written literature uh, in the world, in history, and it's about a man who doesn't want to die. And he, he cannot accept that people die, his friend dies, and he he actually stays with the corpse until maggots start to crawl out of its nose. Like he, he can't accept the fact that this person is dead, and then he can't accept that it will happen to him. So he starts to look for the secret to immortality. And it also reminds me of um, of the saying, there are no atheists in foxholes. Because, like, we can say, you know, that, that we don't believe, but but when the time comes, you reach out for 
something. Mm. You know, and you wouldn't reach out for something if you didn't believe that something was going to happen to you after death. Hmm. Interesting point. And personally, one of my um, fears concerning life after death, I always wondered if if heaven and hell exist, um, would, would I still be who I am? You know, like if, if I die and go somewhere, would I know that I was this person? Huh. Well, thanks for baffling us. <laughs> okay, wait, I have one more thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Another thing that's always perplexed me, well, I won't say always, um, I guess in my adult life perplexed me about the idea of heaven and hell is that things exist in opposites. Like we know what light is because there is darkness. We know what happiness is because there's sadness. So the idea of hell as a place of eternal suffering doesn't make sense because it doesn't have that balance. If you are constantly suffering, it ceases to be suffering. It just becomes whatever the normal state of things. Right. Right, exactly. So hell to me would only make sense if it was coupled with even glimpses of heaven. You know, like the pain would have to stop and then start again. It couldn't just be constant pain because then it would stop being pain. Dante's Inferno, wasn't there, wasn't there like a time limit on how long each person was in each uh, level of hell depending on what the crime was? Hmm. In the Inferno? Yes. I remember it was something like that, that the time that they spent was indicative to the life that they led before they were there. So you'd spend as much time in greed as you needed to and, you know, all those other different rings, you would spend the equivalent time that you spent, I guess, going after those things or being a part of those things. Which makes sense. The... The Romans were really good about that. They were really good about the understanding that there had to be something that made the pain stop for a while. That's why he would have punishments where, um, I forget who he was, but he was tied to um, a cliff, I believe, and his intestines would be eaten out every day. Oh, yeah, I forgot the guy. I know you're talking about Zeus tied him to a, it was a bird. Who was it, Jared Jordan? Prometheus. Prometheus, he had his liver eaten out by eagles every day. Right, and then they would back. back. Okay. At night, so they understood that it couldn't just be a constant torment. Right, that it would have to have some moment of well, relief. Yeah, okay. Uh, right, and Sam, the punishment Sam. of Sisyphus was to roll the boulder up the hill, um, and then it would yeah. fall back down, and he would have to go back down and roll it up again. So it wasn't just a constant pushing up the hill, because again, that would cease to be torment. That would drive me crazy. Yeah, he had to feel what it was like to let go and for it to fall, and then to have to walk back down to the bottom. I think that was the true punishment, not the act of pushing it up the hill, but reaching that pinnacle. But knowing that you're going to have to do it again. again. Yeah, exactly. Knowing that you have to do it again was the real punishment, honestly. Hold on. Before we let you go here, Ms. Barber, what are your yep. thoughts on this? Like, here, here, this is the platform. Do you think that there is something after, or rather – without having to go into detail. Which side do you tend to swing towards? On the Mulder meter or Scullyometer, are you more the skeptic, the Scullyometer, or more the true believer, the Mulder meter? Do you think that there is something after 
physical death? I think I have to. Mm. For, for the sake of my sanity. Okay. I think I have to. And it, it really doesn't have anything to do with me. And what I think happened to me, it has to do with the people that I have loved to have died. Mm. Okay. And the thought of not ever seeing them again. Um, or, or feeling their presence is, is to me, um, it's unacceptable. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not something that I so could, you're Gilgamesh. could think about and handle. Well, it, I guess in a sense, <laughs> in terms of looking for immortality, not looking for... Or at least that, that like security the of there being more than. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. Definitely. Which, okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's the plight of um, artists. Really, to immortalize mm. themselves in writing and in painting, so Good that point. in the event there is no actual life after death, um, there's still something that they've left behind here for people to remember them by. Okay. Well, here's the thing, and I gotta, you know, me, I gotta be, I gotta be the devil's advocate sometimes. And I'm sitting back listening to you guys, and I'm thinking about the evidence and some of the numbers and things that I've. Um, picked up on this topic and what about the mortality part of it what about that unnerving Gilgamesh in all of us who who won't accept or rather can't accept anything other than the belief that there's something after like there could also be that as well like um, in my opinion I think that that is something that I take into account especially when I'm you know, when I call myself doing something good or trying to be a good person, I think about that as well, that, you know, what if there is no no prize in the sky after, I, you know, I'm here? You know, and do, is this something I still want to do? Is this, you know, do I, do I want to give this guy a dollar? Do I want to help this old lady across the street? Is this what, is this what's in my heart, you know, as a human being to do? Or is it like, if I do this, it's another drop in the bucket that I'm going to get all those things that I want. And does the mind, does the consciousness um, add to that or subtract from that, you know, given that fear or given that, you know, insecurity that this might not be what it is, you know, after the fact, um, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is when you polarize it with that question, um, the belief and the feeling or the need or the want for there to be something after you're gone. How does it feel for you guys to know that there that there is at least that polarizing opposite? That regardless to if it's something that's true or not, there is that standpoint, that point of view. Um, Jordan? Um, well, my thought on it is I'm never going to be upset at myself for trying to help somebody else. The person that I am... It, I'm, I'm never going to regret trying. Mm. And in my mind, if you're doing things just for the reward, then you're not doing it for the right reasons. And some people are. I mean, we have to acknowledge that. Let's acknowledge that fact that there are people who do this because they're telling themselves subconsciously or superconsciously that doing this ensures this prize more so than that's who they really are. This is what, you know, this is the cost to pay the ball, you know, to, to play in the game. You know, you gotta. 
I feel like I feel like if you're gonna do something like that, you need to do it with your heart and not your head. Exactly. Exactly. Otherwise, that's my otherwise, point. That's what I was well, trying to get to without saying it. Just well not bother. Right. I agree. One hundred percent. If you're only doing it because that's what you're being told you're supposed to do, then you're not really doing it. Okay, Taryn, what do you think? Um, you were actually, when you were talking, you actually made me think of another book. <laughs> actually, one of my favorite books called Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. And um, isn't that the um, isn't that the book that they made? Um, Apocalypse Now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, my favorite right. movie. Um, so in, in the book, a man travels into the jungle um, from Western civilization. He travels into the jungle and he disappears and other people are sent out to look for him. And when they find him, it turns out that he has become like the people he found in the jungle. Uh, in the book, they're called savages. But he becomes like a god to these natives who are in the jungle. And the point or the theme is that um, civilization is a facade that we are, we, we behave in a civilized manner because of the, um, because of the environment, because of the laws and stipulations. Um, we don't run around killing people because if we do, there's a consequence for it. So I've always thought that um, who you really are is who you are when nobody else is around. The person you are when nobody else is watching. Think about what you would do if there were no consequences. Think that that's who you are. If you knew that you wouldn't get in trouble for it, would you still do it? So I think about that in terms of of who I really am. So if I decide to give a homeless person money, um, it's not because I want there to be a reward for it. It's not because I think that um, there's this giant checklist and God is checking off the box that I gave money to homeless people. Um, I do it because, honestly, because I can't stand to see people suffering. So it has more to do with that feeling than with um, the idea that that I'm being judged. Um, because I, I kind of gave up on that a while ago, personally, um, because I don't know I'm going to use a teaching term. I don't know what the rubric is. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what my current score is or, or whatever. And rather than try to keep up with that, um, I just try to stay authentic. So if I do something kind for somebody, it's because as a person, I care. You know, not because I think somebody's watching and they're going to give me a pat on the back or reward me with paradise for it. Gives you people something to think about, you know? Next time you do, you know, something, something for the good karma bucket. You know what I mean? Think about where it's really coming from. That's a good point. Thank you, Terrence, so much for calling in and completely giving us awesome points and um, a little something to think about and some good literature. Got a literature list out of the English teacher here. <laughs> Take home reading for, for, for the listeners. So, you know. Get you some and let us know what you think. And um, we appreciate you calling in so much. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's an awesome topic. All right. And we hope to hear from you again on further topics later on down the line. So keep listening. Oh, absolutely. And tell all your friends, too. I will. <laughs> thanks. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. So we have heard from at least one noble area and the boss.
on the topic. Um, be a good person. Don't be a piece of shit. No matter what afterlife you think you're promised, because it doesn't matter who's watching, you know, honestly. Um, words to live by. Oh, the voice, the number for voicemails is 443-365-1340. Again, that number is 443-365-1340. Please feel free to leave a voicemail or you can drop, um, or you record a voicemail or you can call into the show from that number or you can email us at amalgamania.com and leave a voicemail and we will play it during the show live. So there is your contact information. Let us know um, how you want to get in touch with us and we look forward to hearing from you all. Lots of call in, lots of love from our members and from our listeners. We have a voicemail that we are going to play from George Brennan. Thank you very much for um, calling in and leaving this. We're going to pull that up and I'll let it rip and uh, give the listeners an idea of what it is that you think about life after death. Now, I got two views on this. You know, myself personally, I come from a view of a little bit of physics, a little bit of science. Energy created, it stays there. You can't get rid of it. Our thoughts, our electric impulses, these are actual physical, measurable things. They don't just go away. They don't just die off. We're not CPUs. We are those created by the, the dust of stars, man. The entire universe is all one beautiful thing. It's all in a microcosmic level, the same thing. Now, I'm not sitting there saying Jehovah, you know, Allah, what have you. I, heaven's not my thing. But the fact that who we are, the imprint of the decisions we make, the fact that we define time ourselves through our consciousness, which, by the way, is actually a thing you look at. Google it up. As far as if, you know, particles, exposed and what have you, they do alter depending upon the view of a person versus a machine measuring it. That's why I come at saying we are more than the sum of all parts, we are the sum of all of everything in creation. Who we are makes a difference. I hope, maybe I'm wrong, who knows? Also, another view of mine is my wife, the love of my life, beautiful lady. She sees some weird shit. She'll come at you and she'll see some stuff that she'll tell you about things that you, you never knew about. She'll tell you about people that you never met, that you then look at and find out maybe I didn't need to make it happen. I mean, my girl, no lie, once had a voice say to her, hey, look in those boots. Those boots at Sabres were two times smaller than she should go to. We found very granted that. Now, please don't tell the IRS. Maybe I spent that money on tests. Don't trust me. But that is my girl. She has told me things about my father I never knew. She has sit there and said in our first apartment about the people that live there that she had never been to and I grew up in when I was eight years old. And I didn't remember. And I went to my mother and my father. I said, do you remember that guy with the brown hair and the black shirt? And he did live there. It was a thing. Maybe she's making it up. Maybe she absorbs things from just talking to people, and that's just her psychology, and she interprets it in that way. But I prefer to believe that we are more than an accident. Long story short, I know my time is limited. Many people have few points to say, and they're all valid. But that's my point. Everyone is valid. Everything is valid. I don't give a shit what you believe. But believe the fact that we matter is important and there's more life than you'll ever see and nothing ever ends. 
whether my wife is right, whether I am right, you are right, it does not matter. We all are just, we are stardust. And matter never ends, and thought is more powerful than you ever think. And yes, whiskey is goddamn delicious. Y'all should have some expanding sensibilities. Don't be afraid. The burn's good for you. But like I said at the end of the day, who you are matters. Live the life that you should have and the person you should be and that you want to be and that you should want to see in the world. Because that shit won't matter. I don't give a shit if you're atheist. It doesn't matter. But the universe is a better place, my man. That you are more than a blip on the horizon. You are important. It will last forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we have a voicemail from our favorite angry nerd, Patrick Rahal. Good evening, Ian and Jordan. This is Patsy the Angry Nerd from Throwdown Thursday and the Shark Bites podcast. Uh, I just want to say congratulations on joining the network, and I'm super excited to check out the very first episode of The Amalga Files, uh, Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind. That's a great name, by the way. Whoever came up with that should get some sort of award or medal or, you know, just someone should drive a dump truck full of money up to their house and just dump it in so they can swim around like Scrooge McDuck. But uh, I wanted to call in not only to, uh, you know, welcome you guys to the network, and welcome you guys into the fold as you know new podcasters. Uh, but I also wanted to kind of talk about uh, your topic of discussion this evening, uh, talking about life after death, life in the hereafter, all things concerning such such topics. And I want to throw my two cents in there. And uh, I kind of look at this, as you know, because I am an angry nerd, I kind of look at this from a, a scientific point of view. And I like to think that Everything that makes up who you are, your soul, your life essence, your spirit, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, I think that kind of sticks around because I apply uh, science to uh, a lot of the stuff that I look at. And I'm thinking energy can be neither created nor destroyed, and your soul or spirit or you know the electrical impulses in your brain that make up who you are... Um, I think that stuff kind of sticks around because matter, uh, energy can be neither created nor destroyed. It can only uh, change forms. So I think that once you are uh, no longer essentially a meat puppet walking around with your uh, spirit and essence powering it, uh, I think that has to go somewhere. I don't know where, um, but you know, I think that there's still a part of you that inhabits the universe and uh, you are free to uh, move about the aircraft, so to speak, uh, once that's... You are no longer constricted by your uh, mortal uh, uh, corporeal form. You are able to move around freely and, you know, kind of see the universe as you see fit with no limits on uh, speed or distance being an issue anymore. At least that would be kind of cool. I think that would be... Um, you know, if you are a, a religious person, that would be my, uh, kind of my take on heaven or, or an afterlife. I'd like to be able to, you know, instant transmission myself all over the universe and see things and, you know, maybe inhabit the bodies of other, of other, uh, life forms, you know. But if you're talking like, uh, your resurrection, you want to, you if you're a resurrection person, 
I'd like to come back as a shark or, uh, you know, another person. But it would be awesome if I could come back as a person that knows all the things that I already know. Or, you know, maybe you just get to live your same life over and over again. Who knows? Uh, I certainly don't, and I don't pretend to. But that's my two cents, so I want to thank you guys for uh, allowing me to voice my opinion and my thoughts on the show tonight. And again, thank you guys for being a part of the network. Thank you guys for uh, you know, lending your unique talents and insights and your unique voices to our network. And uh, I look forward to hearing all of your awesome thoughts and ideas. And I can't wait to contribute more to uh, some of your shows. And uh, you guys have yourselves a great night and a pleasant tomorrow. Here's a voicemail from Luis Rodriguez Jr., prestigious member in the group. Can't wait to hear what Lou has to say on the topic. Hey, yo, what's up, man? It's your, your boy, man. Um, your brother from another big Lou. Um, I'm just calling, you know, I'm going to leave a little message on, on the, uh, the new cast you and Lou was doing um, about the afterlife and all that. You know, um, for a long time, I was skeptical. You know what I'm saying? And um, if you got a second, I'll give you a quick story as to what changed my skepticism. So I get a call, you know, um, well, Ian, I know you know, um, I had lost a sister to leukemia a while back. So this is, this is where, you know, my story comes into play. So, you know, I'm at the crib chilling. This is when I was still living in Connecticut, at the crib chilling. And um, I got a call from one of my homeboys. He was like, yo, brought me down to the studio. We're going to record these verses or whatever have you. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll be down. I'll be down there. Give me fifteen twenty. Okay. So now that's all fine and dandy. I remember getting in my truck. I remember driving, but I lost. I lost like some minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know. If you want to call it a blackout? I obviously didn't blackout to the point where I wasn't sleeping or nothing like that because I was crashed. So, long story short, I lost some time, like, you know, 15, 20 minutes of time because I was going in a whole opposite direction of where I'm supposed to be. Like, I ended up, you know, by the time I stopped driving, when I realized where I was at, I was at the cemetery where my sister was buried. How I got there to this day, I don't know. But I ended up there. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, yo, why am I here? I'm supposed to be on the other side of town. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like 10, 15 minutes in the opposite direction. So I called my boy, I'm like, yo, I'm still coming through, man. I had to make a quick pit stop. I'll be there in about 15, 20. So to the long story short, this is what made me believe in the afterlife because clearly she was calling out to me for me to come see her, to come visit her. You feel me? So... After that, my skepticism turned into a believer because, like, like, how the hell do I lose, you know, 15, 20 minutes of time? I don't know how I got there, why I was there. I wasn't supposed to be going there. I was supposed to be going on the other side of town. And I ended up on this side of town at my sister's gravesite. Lots of love. Um, thanks for the participation and um, lots of call-ins. Um, oh, the, voice, the number for voicemails is 443 443- 
345-1340. Again, that number is 443-365-1340. Please feel free to leave a voicemail or you can drop, um, or you record a voicemail or you can call into the show from that number or you can email us at amalgamania.com and leave a voicemail and we will play it during the show live. So, um, so Jordan, here we are. We're at the roads. We're at the crossroads, me and you. All right. And we're mm -hmm. looking at eternity. Okay. Uh-huh. And um we go in. What do we see? Um Well, I, I certainly don't believe that it's a bunch of puffy clouds and pearly gates like what cartoons about the like to illustrate it. Huh? What, what about the gold streets? There's gotta be the gold streets, no? I mean perhaps. That's, that's part of the reason um, why I came, Jordan. This is a great way to segue into, I guess, the last part of our discussion. Um, our forms as non-corporeal beings, like, I don't believe that our physical forms will, would matter after the fact. I don't know if we're going to be, like, floating balls of light or humanoid-shaped. Uh, beings or if we retain the form that we had before we died or who knows you know what what's what it's gonna look like the the reason why I ask this question is because among that not knowing um, the only real way that I can picture this or even wrap my mind around it is if I relate it and again me you know leaning more on that scoliometer um, is me relating it to something that I can tangibly understand and you know how when you're around certain people you have a feeling of uneasiness versus when you're around some people you have a feeling of overwhelming love and comfortability yes okay well i believe that that energy is real like not something that can be discounted um the hairs on your neck stand up if you want to equate it to a chemical reaction of the brain sending signals of fear and or euphoric um, messages to your brain. However you want to classify it, this happens, period. There is no discussion. There is no nothing. There's nothing to refute this. this these are physical things, ways that your body alerts you to um, other people in ways that are not as blatant as, you know, someone sneezing on you. You know, you can be close to a person and feel... Body sends are tingling. Yes, your spidey sense start exactly. That is the best way. That is the most nerd way to put it. Thank you. You know, your your spidey <laughs> sense tingles and you know whether or not this is a good or bad situation. I believe that energy is very real and I believe that we cannot discount that in any shape form or fashion and I do believe that there's got to be the question of does that energy live on past the physical body because obviously it exists outside of what you can see, touch, taste, smell, or hear. I think that that just about covers it. I think that we've done a good job um, rounding the points and giving a platform, and hopefully our listeners um, you know, can let us know in the comments and uh, via um, any kind of connection they can get to us, uh, what they think about it, and um, we will make sure to talk about that in future shows related and also playing any voicemails and or 
um, call-ins we get during the live show when it um, airs. Um, Jordan, you have anything to close? Um, I think, I mean, I know for me personally, and I think you probably feel the same way, if anybody has any topics that they want us to look into, I'm totally open. Um, thank you all, Earthlings and Amalgamaniacs, all of our listeners and um, our general public. Thank you for tuning in and listening, and we look forward to seeing you on the next topic. On your next installment of The Files, starring the boy wonderful Ian Wallace and the beautiful Jordan Lynn Epperson, we are going to be discussing urban legends. We're going to pick a couple of them and take a look at what they've got going for them and whether we think they're real or not. And we're going to pose the questions. What do you think about some of your favorite urban legends? And we hope to get lots of call-ins and lots of reactions. So that is going to be your next show. Stay tuned and we hope to hear from you all.